This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals who seek the best education and inspiration on how to grow a business. Listen, learn, and grow with the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Shep Hyken. He's a customer service and experience expert and the chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. I should give more emphasis. Chief amazement officer of Shepherd Presentations. He's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of about a dozen books. His latest we're going to talk about today called I'll Be Back. How to get customers back again and again. So Shep, welcome back to the show. You're a second time guest at least. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great to be back. And I love all your work. I've been a huge fan of yours since the very first book. And uh, here I am talking to you again. Yeah, the man, well, the myth, the legend. <laughs> you're, you're too kind. Let's talk some more about me. No, actually, before we get started, I want to point out something about this book that I love. You're, it's the first time I've seen a book that starts off with full-throated chapter summaries, not just how to use this book kind of section. You go through summary of what you're going to find, even some key questions. At the very beginning, I really love that because it got me want, I hate to say this, but it really got me wanting to read the whole book because I, it was like, why do you snack. hate to say that? <laughs> no, I just, I hate to say that I need a reason to think that I want to read the whole book, but that it really sucked me in. And I was like, Oh, I want to read that chapter. Oh, I want to read that chapter. So I, I don't know if that's something that, that you have done before, but I had not seen that before. Not to this level. And you want to know why I did it? Are you ready for this? Because you're going to laugh. Maybe you won't laugh. When you saw the title, I'll Be Back, what's the first thing you thought of? I'm old. General MacArthur. Oh, well, that's even better. You're the first person <laughs> ever said it. <laughs> he did say that, too. But here's the thing. Did he ever go back? No. <laughs> no, he didn't. So, and you're referring to the Philippines, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's very funny. That's hilarious. No, what do you think most people think of when they see those words, I'll be back? I'm at a loss. Now I'm thinking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's right. I'll be back. That's I'll right. be back. So <laughs> when I wrote this book, I thought I need to get Arnold. And by the way, I didn't even think about I'll be back being part of Terminator. And then about, <laughs> I don't know, not even a page or two into I'd written the outline and then I would started to write the book. I go, I'll be back. Famous words. Terminator. Now, in the movie, I'll be back. He was exploding things. I like came back right. to blow up the police station and then subsequent movies. It was good. But as I started to write the book, I, and I thought, I've got to write a chapter synopsis of what this book is about so I can send it to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He'll be so intrigued that he'll immediately say, Shep, I'd love to give you an endorsement for that book. Now, uh -huh. I'm still working on it. And even <laughs> after the book comes out, I will continue to work on it. <laughs> Either way, I thought it was actually a great customer experience Thank frankly, you. To, to have that. So it works well with the topic of the book. I read somewhere that one of your first gigs was doing birthday party magic show tricks. True. And I think, brilliant. That's all a keynote speech is, isn't it? Yeah, that's why. True. When I was a kid, age 12, I did my first birthday party magic show. 
And I worked my way into working at nightclubs and comedy clubs and corporate events. And when I graduated college, I saw a couple of motivational speakers. I said, I could do that. A college background. I had the entertainment background, put them together, write the speech. And really, that's how it all started as far as the speaker goes. And I was drawn to the concept of customer service simply because that's the way I was raised. And when I saw some amazing books on the bookshelf, and by the way, the business section in the early 1980s was one shelf of books in a bookstore. Right. That was it. Right. And, and I think Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins, and those are the two speakers I saw. And there was Ron Zemke and Carl Albrecht and Tom Peters. They had books out, yeah. but it was really maybe, maybe one shelf. Drawn to those service books, I started reading, researching, and put my own spin on it. And that's where it all started. You mentioned that now there's like a whole section on customer experience, not just an business, entire like section. an entire not section. Just, All right. Yeah. And so the topic's really hot, but yet we are still faced with marketing funnels and tripwires and trying to figure out customer journeys. If this is such a hot topic, why does it seem to still be such a struggle? Why are you employed going out there giving speeches to, well, to companies? Because <laughs> For some companies, it's not a struggle and others are trying to do it and they're just not quite sure what to do. And you mentioned something really important. There's these funnels and these triggers. And I think the experience needs to be easy, frictionless, and convenient and if we do that the right way and we focus on the customer and the outcomes, the money follows. Yeah. And you've got to get people interested in you. And what you talk about in your marketing books is, I think there's a whole section in the book about the difference between marketing, or actually it's the difference between repeat business and loyal business. Because once you get somebody in that funnel, if you will, and they're buying from you, doesn't necessarily mean they're loyal. And it's really important to understand why. And a lot of times, and, and by, by the way, please understand, there's nothing wrong with businesses that don't have loyal customers. But what I think is important is if they're repeat customers, we don't confuse the two. Because repeat customers are gold. We want them, definitely want them. So what are we doing to drive business to start with and then get people to come back again and again? And it could be some type of a marketing tactic. It could be what is often called a loyalty program, misnamed because it isn't driving true loyalty. It's just driving repeat business. If I fly on an airline and you give me a lot of points, I'm going to keep wanting those points. And therefore, I'll fly on your airline. But if you took the points away, the question is, if there were no other airlines and that had points, okay, they were all the points were taken away, would I still choose to fly on this airline? And that's how you know you'll have loyalty. And it's impossible often to find that out for sure, but you can based on behaviors. So one of the things in marketing you want to know, you take people through a process and you recognize they will buy and you keep tweaking and you A-B test, if you will, to determine whether or not somebody's going to be more excited about the way you write it and, and explain something one way versus another. Well, it's the same thing in customer experience. We want to... Uh, track what we think typical behavior is, and then we want to drive customers to become typical. So, so one of the things that I'm sure you get asked all the time is you talk about this loyal customer. How do you measure loyalty that's not repeat business? In other words, they came back, they bought again, they stayed with us, whatever, they're, they're a repeat customer. But what's a metric that would tell me they're loyal? 
essentially, so how do you really determine loyalty is a big question. How you determine and qualify them for loyalty is really based on their behavior. And that's one of the things we talk about. There's metrics like customer satisfaction scores, like on a scale of one to 10, were you happy with the product? Were you happy with the service? Were you happy with, but it's oftentimes, same thing with net promoter score. Mm. I love these. They're very important metrics. And once again, I don't say don't use them. No, on the contrary, you need them because it teaches you about history based on your last experience, fill in the blank. How would you rate whatever? And past experience is an indication of what will happen in the future Provided you're getting good feedback, you want to eliminate things you hear that are problems, you want to continue to do things at work. But more important than that, and I learned this from, I was hired to speak at a salon convention, like hair salon, where people cut hair, managers and franchisees of hair salons. And they hired the bald guy who never goes to get his hair cut <laughs> to come in and talk to them. The guy said, we love to measure whether people are happy with their haircuts and their you know, permanence and their treatments and everything else they do. But you want to know what's really important to us? We need to measure their behavior. We know what a typical customer, like, John, I'm looking at you. I don't know how often you get your haircut, but I'm going to bet it's once every four to six weeks. Am I right? That is right. That is right. So uh, is it ever, and I get, I'm not an expert in the hair business, but let's say the typical customer like you with a hair that looks like yours is going to come in 12 times a year. But if I notice you're only coming in three times a year, something's wrong. What are we doing that's not getting you to come in the other nine times? So same thing. Oh, somebody with long curly hair like my wife goes in. She goes in to get her hair cut once a month, her color every six weeks, and her hair treated another way every... So these are behaviors that you say are typical. And that's why I said a few minutes ago, we want to try to take our existing customer as they come to the door and start to work them into typical behavior. That is the routine and the repeat business we want them to have with us. And ultimately, if we're doing it for the right reasons, they become loyal. Where you want to find out the why is the reason they're coming to us once a month because they love our haircuts, or is it we're more convenient than the salon that's 30 minutes further away? And if that competitor were to move 10 minutes closer to the customer, than they are currently, would they lose that customer due to convenience? So I I advocate for convenience because it drives repeat business. Doesn't necessarily create loyal business, but the company that's easier to do business with will always win, which by the way, we include a section in the book on that concept as well. So during the lockdown, my wife learned how to cut my hair. So I haven't been to a hair salon now for, you know, Almost going on two years. But she does a fine job, I must say. (laughs) I'm not sure she enjoys it. Introduce us to Arnie. We meet Arnie in this book. What's Arnie all about? We all know Arnie. When you think of I'll Be Back, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And again, I had never thought for a moment that I was going to include anything about the Terminator in the book. (laughs) But I thought, just like there's the, the Oscar and the Grammy and all that, I thought, let's create an Arnie. And the Arnie is when your customer says, I'll be back. Yeah. And then you've won the Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> and I did include a, a chapter on reasons customers would not come back and do business with you. And I titled it something like, you're terminated. <laughs> yeah. and you, what's interesting about that, I think sometimes people learn better from addressing the negative first. 
reasons they, you know, the things we're screwing up is sometimes a better lesson than how to be excellent. We've got to get rid of that first before, no matter how good the food is, if the server's not friendly and nice, you're probably not coming back. If it's served on a dirty dish, you're probably not coming back. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. With HubSpot's CRM platform, it's easy to align your team. Look, managing conversations with prospects and customers throughout all stages of their journey can be tough. I mean, information gets lost between departments. HubSpot wants to change that. That's why they created a CRM platform that makes it easy to align across teams. With HubSpot's unified system of record, all teams can create a better customer experience without missing a beat. With a unified system of record, teams can get access to all of the contacts history so they can have a more informed conversation with prospects and customers and build personalized content. When your systems are cobbled together, your data, channels, and teams are disjointed. There's no single source of truth and no common reporting. Customer experience suffers. Learn more about how you can scale your company without scaling complexity at HubSpot.com. So you have an entire chapter, speaking of excellence, and a lot of people, when they write books about customer service, customer experience, there's all these superlatives about all the reaching for the stars kind of service and wowing them. And you have an entire uh, chapter that lowers the bar. Want to be amazing? <laughs> just be better than average all the time. <laughs> now, is that, just, is that just because we experience excellence so rarely? No, I don't believe so. And and I guess it's interesting. I think when you take a look at how low the bar, I mean, there's some pretty high bars out there. Look at some of the great companies and they've raised expectations that customers have because now your customer doesn't compare you to the same business you're in anymore. They compare you to the best service they've received from anywhere. That said, many companies don't deliver at that level. So the bar is fairly low, but To the point of what I call it amazement. How can you be amazing to your customer every time? Well, you can because all you need to do is be just a little better than average. But it's got to be all the time. It's got to be consistent and predictable. So your customer says, they're always so friendly. They're always so helpful. They always call me back quickly. Even when there's a problem, I know I can always count on them. So let's jump over to one of my favorite companies in the world. I've written about them in almost every book, and that's the Ritz-Carlton. And when the co-founder and first president, Horst Schultz, said, in order to be excellent, and I did not realize he said this, he said, you have to be a little better, be better than average all the time. And I didn't, I came up with this on my own. Then I read his, I go, oh, wow, great minds think alike. Like I'm putting myself (laughs) in the world and and comparing myself to the rich. But I had a chance to spend uh, time talking to him, getting to know him a bit. And I asked them, how much better than average do you really have to be? And this was my take on it. And then was always just be a little better than average, but he put a number to it. He said, be 10% better than average. So what does that mean? If on a scale of one to five, one is you're terrible and five is you're amazing, two would be fair, three would be average, four would be very good and five. So average is a three. So if you're a 3.3, you have a chance of getting a five, provided that you deliver a 3.3 all the time, because it's impossible to be over the top all the time. You go into a restaurant and I'm with my wife, it's her 10 year anniversary, and the server overhears me and brings a cake and surprises me. But what if he didn't or she didn't hear that comment? 
if that server would have been friendly, attentive, made the right suggestions, smiled, et cetera, et cetera, came over at the right times, I would have said, this was a great experience. And you didn't need the cake to surprise me. Yeah. So that, that, I think, is the point is that when, and by the way, when I asked Horst, what does 10% look like in real life? He said, when you walk in the door, you're greeted verbally. You, it's not just a head nod. It's a good morning, sir, good morning, ma'am, hello. And once they learn your name, they, whoever it is, the front desk, the people, this is part of who they train. They hire very smart people and train them well. They train them to remember people's names and use those names appropriately. And I love it when you walk in the lobby and you hear, hello, Mr. Hyken, hello, Mr. Jantz, or whatever. You get yeah, the idea. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow, just that hello bumped up a little bit is what makes it 10% better than average. By the yeah. way, just saying hello makes it 10% yeah. better than average yeah. in many cases. Yeah, that, that addressing people by name is a huge deal and really pretty simple deal. I, I also want to uh, point out that the second part of that you said better consistently. And I think that is really key. There's a lot of times where we've gone to a place and had a great experience. And then the second time we went back, there was still a good experience. It just wasn't the same experience. Yep. And I think our expectation is not met. And I think sometimes that's worse than just being average. So inconsistently destroys trust and confidence. Sure does, it's that yeah, simple. Yeah. People want to do business with the old saying, with people they know and trust or companies they know and trust. And we know and like people pretty easily, at least here in North America we do. In other parts of the world, some people are a little more skeptical. But once they start to say, you know what, you're in alignment with what you've promised me in your marketing, your advertising, you're friendly. I'm going to know and like you pretty quickly. I may not trust you for a while. But trust is going to come from the consistent and predictable experiences that we know we can get all the time. So you mentioned the Ritz-Carlton, and they you know, famously – created a culture around what you just described, I think. And you talk a lot about that as, as building the I'll be back culture. How do you get people to recognize that customer experience is ultimately a culture or lack of culture experience? You start from the very beginning. We've got this process that we take our clients through, and I've got a, a process that I actually gave a little bit more depth to it in words because it's sometimes you actually have to do it to make it happen. Yeah. But the first thing you must do is create the phrase that everybody can hang on to. And that is, and the Ritz-Carlton, do you know what their nine word credo is? I've heard it before. I've read it before, but go ahead. I'll it's butcher. where <laughs> ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there you go. And as soon as you come there, you are taught that. It's easy to remember and memorize. And as a result of that, everybody gets it. Then they start giving you these non-negotiable standards that drive that line. By the yeah. way, this is not a line for the public to know about, even though many do. Yeah. There are some companies that make their internal line or their tagline for the customer the same. And that's fine, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Just what I, The only thing I caution companies about doing that is if you decide to make it public, Many times companies change their marketing themes and therefore you end up changing the one line that's driving the experience. So that's why I love that it stays internal with the Ritz. The uh, idea behind it is once you create these standards, you train people to it. And training isn't something you did. It's something you do. It's ongoing. And even if you don't have to spend, by the way, if when you onboard somebody into your company, you may spend two hours on customer service as part of that training. You might spend mm -hmm. three days. It doesn't matter. But 
three months from now, you need to be spending just a few minutes every week or so reminding people what they need to do in order to drive those non-negotiables. So what the Ritz does is every day before their shift starts, and it's easy to do with businesses that are shift focused because everybody meets, they have a team meeting, and then they go to work. And they remind everybody of one of the 24 gold standards that drive that line where ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And if you're, uh, let's see, I believe you're in Colorado now, correct? I am, I am. Yeah, and I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and there's a Ritz-Carlton in Denver, and there's other Ritzes (laughs) around Colorado and the ski resorts. There's also Ritz-Carlton in St. Louis, Missouri. And today, when the next shift starts, they're going to be talking about one of the gold standards, and it will be the same one that's covered in somewhere in Colorado at your Ritz, as well as Abu Dhabi. And tomorrow will be another one. And they're all the same. The consistency of it all and the, and the consistency of the training and re- reinforcement is what drives that culture. Do you think, and fortunately we'll be able to stop asking these questions, I'm hoping soon, but do you think that what we have gone through as a world the last year during the global pandemic has changed how people need to view customer service? Has it lowered expectations? Has it raised expectations? Has it just changed the game? I think it's more changed the game than anything. What The one thing that has changed, and I think we're not going to go back to, is the idea of, of the frictionless experience. Mm-hmm. It's more important than ever. When I was thinking about it and wrote the book, The Convenience Revolution, it was like, it was almost at a thought leadership level. It was being ignited, and then it became a bit of a, uh, it, it hasn't become a trend, but it's starting to become a trend. But it was a breakthrough before the pandemic. It's trending, not, I mean, it's becoming an expectation really is yeah. what it's about. I now, and by the way, it's good in that I used to get my food delivered at no charge before the pandemic. Today, I am happy to pay that 3 to $5 or whatever it is that one of these services charge or even the, the restaurant charges is a surcharge. Now, they never charged it before. But guess what? Everybody wants it now. So let's do it. And you know what? You can charge for it because people will pay for that. So I believe some good things have happened. I don't think, I think during the pandemic, customer support, especially in salespeople, had to be more empathetic and be willing to listen more and create a little bit more human-to-human contact than they might normally have. But we're going to be back to what I would call business as usual prior to the pandemic as far as all that goes. The biggest expectation that I think has changed is companies better be easy to do business with or you're going to be blown away by your competition. Yeah, amen. So I'm talking with Chef Hyken. We're talking about I'll Be Back, a great read on how to get your customers coming back again and again. The greatest way to build momentum is certainly retention instead of going out there and trying to hunt for new business every single day. This is a book that can be purchased anywhere you buy books or Shep, why don't you invite uh, listeners to to find out more about your work or uh, one of the many other books you've written? Sure, sure. Just go to hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. And depending on when you're listening to this show, if it's uh, right before the book comes out, you can pre-order it. And if you do that, you can do it through Amazon or even through my website. But no matter what, come back to my website. or come, And it's really I'llBeBackBook.com is the book's website, which is in my – you can find it if you get to Hiken.com, no problem. But there are some, just like you have for your great book, which, by the way, is a wonderful book. And I'm much excited. What's the coincidence there, John? <laughs> Shep and I both have I'll Be Back and The Ultimate Marketing Engine are coming out on the exact same day of the days. 
if any, you should get the that book, John's book. Give them both together. Yeah. Read his first because he's <laughs> going to teach you to get them there. Yeah, I'm going to teach you to keep them there. Yeah, it's it a be... one-two combination that can't be beat. That's so, right. Anyway, I digress. Go to I'll be back book. Dot com And just like, John, you've created companion materials, I have done the same thing. I've created a few companion materials that people want to download and use as they read the book. And look for that secret page. You have to have a special code. Look for that secret page where you can actually see Shep and Arnold Schwarzenegger playing golf. One can always dream. Shep, it was great catching up with you. Again, hopefully we'll see each other one, one of these days when we're back out there on I-70. I hope that happens much sooner than later. Thanks for having me on your show. You bet. All right, so that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know we love those reviews and comments. And just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system, to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that Offer Our System to Your Clients tab.